Max RPG Podcast. I'm in Max, 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 Max! Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon. Why, hello, and welcome to Season 24, Episode 9 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. My name is Kimmy. I'm Stork. I'm Jason. We were just laughing right before you guys came on about how short the intro is, and it caught Stu with the fence, and he's fumbling for his mic. I tried to open my beer, and I got one of these. Oh, Oh, no. It's all broken and dropped. I I dropped it and dented the can, so now it won't open. I have to use a pencil or something to open it. A lot like us, just denting cans full of beer. (laughs) Right. Here, you want me to tap it open? Speak for yourself. My can is not dented. Thank you. <laughs> I don't even like beer. <laughs> exactly. Also relevant. In this episode, we're going to be talking about Pyrrhic successes in, in uh, resolution mechanics. Kurt writes in about face characters in D&D, and Ryan writes in to ask what effects APs are having on the tabletop RPG hobby. I'm so excited about that question. But first, if you'd like to email us, and we could use some emails, uh, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's yes. happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. Social media. Mm-hmm. We have a forum, happyjacksforum.com. Yes. Happyjacksforum.com. It's been bumping lately, too. There's a lot of yep. stuff Yeah, this new version's really good. Yeah. 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 The, the one we finally settled on. Yeah. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and MeWe. Happy Jacks RPG, all one word. Happy Jacks RPG, all one word. If you'd like to watch the show live, you can watch us at happyjacks.org slash live. Mm-hmm. 7 p.m. Pacific time on Fridays, we stream the show. And plus, of course, you can also go there for all of our many APs. Yes. And if you want to find us, like Happy Jacks RPG on Twitch, on YouTube, all those things, it's the same thing everywhere. Excellent. Yeah. So and I wanted to... I wanted, what, and JackerCon. Oh, JackerCon. Uh, I don't have the specifics for JackerCon. So go to JackerCon.com. You can sign up. JackerCon is our fan-run online convention. Um, and it's coming back this year. We're very excited about it. Um, it's happening at the end June of... 23rd. Yes. June 23rd to July 1st-ish. Yes. And people are running games. And you can go up and sign up to run a game or sign up to playing games. People all over the world are running games, too. So if you're in a weird time zone, there's probably somebody running something in your time zone. So do the thing. And a bunch of us are going to be running games. Um, I haven't signed up for mine yet, but I'm going to be running at least one game during that week. Excellent. So And it's all online. So no travel time. And you have to bring your own beer. <laughs> right. Yes. No mooching off someone else's beer. I mean, if you can. If, if you can. Offered, sure offered beer is not mooching. No, that's, that's true. true. No. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And if it's left unattended, you know, in a fridge, it's, it's up for grabs. It's not, you know. Yeah. It's like it's there. If I you mean, didn't write your name on it. Right. Yeah. Oh, we, we need to get um, Roommate um, social media accounts that say Happy Jacks RPG, all one word. <laughs> and ha- figure out some way to redirect them somewhere. Yes, that would be amazing. <laughs> I think that's too many letters. But yeah, I'm gonna do it. Yes. Now they will. Yeah. I guess if you put a one, you can. I'm gonna do it. Right now. Gonna register that. Oh, one word, just number oh, one. The number one that might save characters. I think okay. About things like this a lot. Sorry. I wanted to talk about Pyrrhic successes. Uh, a success with a complication. That kind of thing. Yeah, or if you're like me and had to look up what Pyrrhic means, it means a victory won at a cost greater than is worth it to the person who won. For those of you playing alone at home, if you want to spell it and look it up on your own, it's P-Y-R-R-H-I-C. And I think it was a Carthaginian general? Was it Carthaginian? Pyrrhus, right? Yeah. And he fought a battle. I don't remember the name of the battle, but he was quoted as saying something like, if I have many more victories like this, I'm going to lose the war. Yeah. Because it, they, he won the battle, but it was so costly to his army, he would have been better off just to not fight it at all. Yeah. I love my friends. I'm just going to say that. My <laughs> friends are cool and they're smart and know things. I like them. I took a Roman history class in college, and that's where I, that's where I heard the term. And I'm like, Jason has a degree in, in literature. That's true. Yes. Right? Yeah. And I went to the Googles. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, now... Uh, PBTA is probably the most, probably one of the first, if not the first game that kind of had this sort of concept of your dice roll that isn't a success and is a failure is not necessarily a failure. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of dropped the book when I was reading 7th edition Call of Cthulhu, because in the sort of near the back of the book, in the GMing section, they give a lot of suggestions, because Call of Cthulhu uses um, percentile dice. 
and you get a lot of really swingy results. Yeah, that feels like D20 does that as well. Where right. You're like, oh, cool, I have a plus eight to this. Okay, well, good luck. <laughs> There's... Right. Yeah. It, and and, I, and I, I almost dropped the book when they mentioned the fact that the, in, in some situations, the GM may consider when there is a failure of a role to go ahead and have them succeed, but it has some sort of unintended consequence or... Yep. In some ways, makes that success pyrrhic. So, I kind of wanted to discuss that when you would apply that kind of thing, games that use it, how they use it, and sort of the differences between it. Yeah. Uh, I had a system like this back when, uh, you know, running Shadowrun in the 90s, and um, it's a, you're trying to get a number of successes on, mm-hmm. on six siders. And so, you, you back up your dump truck of dice and roll them all. And you're trying to get eight successes, right? And if somebody came up with like six or seven successes, the rules just say you lose. So what I should back up to. One of the things that I went bonkers with when I found Apocalypse World and PBTA games, I was like, oh, this is how I've been running games. It's so exciting oh, to really? see, cool. see someone write this down. Um, so <laughs> in Shadowrun, I, I came up with this system of like, you know, f- fade or luck. And I said, yeah, guys, if you want to pay me a bad luck... I'll give you the extra success you need to, you know, like, however much you're short, but I'm going to use that later, and I'm going to add dice to the bad guys based on the bad luck that you just paid me. Um, oh, and that's like, a good, that's this a good new idea. Star Trek game has a system that's almost exactly that, so I approve. <laughs> <laughs> we can we can go out on a limb and say that you invented that. Concept. Yeah, cool. Twelve-year-old <laughs> <laughs> Jason. Uh, At twelve, you came up with that. Right. Well, probably like fourteen. Oh, still, that's wow. more impressive. If you got better between twelve and fourteen, that's very different. Well, we just like we were also like <laughs> it was because we didn't fully understand all of the rule book. Like if you go back and look at first edition Shadowrun rule book, it is uh Hot mess. It's a, it's a mess. Yeah. It's a mess. Um, I I bought it and I and I read it and I didn't understand a word in it. It's, yeah. It's a mess. Um and so you kind of had to wing it and make up stuff that made sense. And so when somebody rolled 15 dice when most people have 8 or 9, you think, "Oh yeah, that guy's going to crush it," you know. And then still comes up one or two short. Right. Mm-hmm. You're like Oh, uh, there's probably. It seems like in a world with magic and whatever else, I'm like, but that that was just my 14 year old justification too. Like, no, in a world where storytelling is more important, um, yeah, let's get a cost in there, and and in that way, it's it's not as good as like the sort of seven to nine partial or shitty success because it was like banked away and they didn't necessarily see the you know narrative consequences and the stakes rise and and you know like the stuff that um some of the modern systems are doing but uh there are just lots of ways to incorporate this in where even if your favorite system doesn't have something like this you know like if you want to play D, uh D and the dc is a 15 maybe say you know if you get from you know 10 to 14 that something is you know like maybe you have some sort of percentage that's a third of the DC or something right. like that, uh, where you got close and something happens just because D and D, fate is less so, but like uh, the other percentile-based systems mm-hmm. uh, are <clears throat> swing so hard. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you have a seventy-five percent, that seems like somebody would be really good at something, but really it's just three quarters. Yeah. Like let's roll a D four if you have a seventy-five yeah. percent. Right on a one, you miss. Like we run yeah. into that with Dead Rain a lot. Yes. When we were doing our, our zombie apocalypse game and uh, in the Palladium system. And oh man, like, I'm in a raw. No, no, I didn't. We're going to die. We're all going to die. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and here you're supposed to be these, like, epic, heroic, badass adventurers. Uh, well, okay, maybe not. In maybe that not one. in that game. <laughs> but, but, like, Shadowrun, you're professional. Yeah. Um, elite criminals. Yeah. Right. You know, like, you should be out there kicking ass and taking names, and, like, maybe the corporations will get one over on you because they have so many resources and whatever, but, like, yeah. you're, you're up against, like, a hellhound? And, like, one? One hellhound? One hellhound? <laughs> you're going to wipe the team? Like, <laughs> oh, that's not good. <laughs> I kind of like the idea of banking that misfortune, though. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, that kind of... I mean, if you can use it right away, if you've got something that seems applicable right away you could use it right then but you yeah. can also kind of takes a little bit of pressure off the gm to come up with something right, right yeah. away that is going to fit that situation that isn't you know lame yeah 
No, absolutely. Yeah, uh, Star Trek does a good job with that. If you look What's, at their uh, momentum Trek? and threat. Um, and so you can earn momentum when you get more successes than you needed. Mm-hmm. And then if you come up short, no, 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 not if you come up short. If you want more dice in your roll, you can spend momentum to get more dice. But if you don't have any momentum, you can pay, you can say, okay, GM, give yourself some threat because I need an extra die for this. And then when the GM has threat, they can spend it to get dice for themselves. Okay. Um, how, how? I don't remember. It's been so long since I ran it. How did the, the FFG Star Wars, because it had those. Double-sided tokens. Oh, that was like it was light and dark, and yeah. oh, the yeah. GM could flip them to light, which would give the players the option yeah. to use them later, and then yeah. the players could flip them when they wanted to use them. That was the one good thing in that system. Yeah, we used and the artwork. Some. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I like. I mean, I, I know I'm going to get flamed for this. Sorry. No, 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 well, it's okay. We are. There are parts of it I didn't like. Like I thought a lot of the just the talent trees and stuff were super too complicated. I hate skill trees. Yeah, I just hate. I don't know. <sighs> I, I don't know. Um, I liked the concept of the dice, and I like how they made it in L5R. See, their I L5R, I really liked. I did not. That, I know that I really I, that whole thing sort of bothered me, and and, and then it, it it breaks it down into these weird little minutiae. Even when you're right, really rolling perception, if you mm-hmm. don't succeed or whatever, suddenly you have to come up with something. Or the GM has to come up with something that you may have noticed that isn't. I don't know. It just it, like it seemed to complicate even the simplest of things. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I, I think I, because I'd come from Edge of the Empire to the simplified version of L five R. Yeah, sure. I think that seemed a little more natural to me. I think going the other way, you'd be like, whoa, because I think they've they made it much more elegant for the L five R system. I I need less less breaking the immersion and bargaining with the GM and and you know I'll trade you this for this if mm-hmm. I can have this and this and then mm-hmm. that rule comes back. It really pulls me out of a game. It pulls mm-hmm. me out of moments when everybody's trading rules back and forth and bargaining and it's really, really meta. I get it because you need a way to to exchange these mechanical benefits mm-hmm. and, and disadvantages, but it really pulls me out. I mean I had that problem with fate where you never fully get sunk in because you're always uh, yeah. you're always looking at that surface Set of rules. I think you would event- eventually if you played it Everyone enough. I would think. I, I would think but that it would just become second nature. Fate, maybe, but I, I, I find that the rules never fully go away. Same thing with the L five R. Of course, we never fully grokked it, and it was in beta, and they were still tweaking it. But yeah, I think, I think if they. I'm hoping that they streamlined the book. I, I kind of glanced at it, but I haven't really tried. I to haven't read it. it, but I've heard it's still a hot mess. Yeah, mm. it's too bad. I, re- I mean, their strife thing. We've talked about how much we like that. I think I, I lost track of the original con- like topic, though. Are we still on topic? Yes, okay, yeah, we good. are. Yeah. It's a fair success. See, really, that our our game really has a version of that in there with the strife that yeah. is going on. With uh, you have to succeed with a fail or with a you succeed with a fail, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> a complication. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I mean, I think too. I mean, like it was very much like. Like PBTA and some aspects of it, like you, you, you know, succeed with a complication. Yeah. You get strife, but you can, you know, if you choose to push it farther. So I think that's another thing that I kind of liked about it is it was another way of doing that that was a little different. And right, because it's on the dice rolls, and, and it even yeah. you're banking strife mm-hmm. as well because you you, you, yeah. know, you get too much of it and it comes yeah. out at some point. Yeah. So. As much of a hot mess as I think other parts of that book are, and I think a lot of it is the layout. The strife mechanic was pretty cool. Yeah, the strife mechanic was cool. Well, they were messing with it during the beta, too, because yeah. they kind of changed how it worked yeah. between the various yeah. versions of it. Yeah, and I think if they like just kind of streamlined the book a little bit and kind of kept some of the concepts from um, from the, the dice mechanic and the, definitely the strife thing, I think right. I think we all would have been a little bit more friendly on how can you How can you sort of house rule this, you think, with uh, a, a D&D, let's say, or even mm-hmm. Pathfinder? Is there a way... Well, let me tell you, Call the way Call of Cthulhu does it is it, it's, it's... And this is not in the like the main part of the rule book. It's in the GMing section. It's like, if someone made a roll and you don't have a consequence, or I don't remember exactly how they phrase it, but you don't have... An, if it's more interesting for it to have succeeded... Let them do whatever it was they want to do, but but it but it something got screwed up, something got fucked mm-hmm. up while yeah. they were while they were in the process of it succeeding, and because it is they literally rolled a failure, you can make it a, like a total pyrrhic victory in that because one of the things that it is I think is always kind of a really shitty thing for a GM to do is to say okay you were, you succeeded okay you were able to do this oh but by the way the, here's an unintended consequence that happened right it's really a oh, shitty on thing a, on, a a total on a success yeah. on a success yeah, yeah that, that doesn't feel good although the flip side is like 
why I think PBTA does this so much more elegantly. I totally agree with you on the like trading points back and forth. That that was like great for fourteen year old me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like that that was a really good system because we were meta and we were like figuring out how to play games without anyone showing right. us how to do it. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, like, um, but PBTA, you know, one of the things that a lot of people misunderstand about it is that a six minus is not a miss and shouldn't be no. called a miss. Yeah. It's it's a like six minus and. It's at that point. It's just that the MC is going to have narrative control over what happens. Yeah. Right. At a seven and nine, you have to share narrative control, and at a ten plus, you got the control. You did everything you wanted to do. Seven and nine, there's a cost. On a six minus, maybe you didn't do it. Um, maybe you did, and it's a pyrrhic victory. The cost is so high, um, but no matter what, like the the thing that PBTA codifies as a rule is like. Uh, if they rolled, something changes, mm-hmm. right? You you never roll dice and say nothing happens. Yeah, right. And and you know to the point of like, if you want them to be able to get through the door, don't make them roll. Right. The thief is a trained thief with lockpicks, and there's no no one shooting at you, and you're not underwater, and you're like, yeah, cool. You open the door, like. Great, let's move on with the story because it's about advancing the narrative, not getting stuck here in a locked room. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of my point. I was trying to figure out, like, as you guys are saying this, I haven't thought this through yet, but like, if I were to maybe try to do something like this using D&D, let's say, let, I, I think I'd make my rules, maybe my, my die rolls a little squishy. Like, if you mm-hmm. need a 15 to hit something on a 14, you succeed, but you tell me you didn't quite succeed, something went wrong. You yep. hit him... You tell me, and I would give the player the chance to describe to him. Uh, I, I, it deflects off his shield, and it's only half point, uh, half point of damage. Yeah. Or, or uh, it, uh, you know, something. I would allow the player to to have some input in the narrative as to why he succeeded, but not fully. Because well, mm-hmm. that, to me, still keeps everybody engaged without right. a bunch of rules flying around. Well, see, what, what, what I was planning on doing for the Call of Cthulhu game is if if it's a situation where I want them to make the roll, because sometimes I. I I ask for roles when I really shouldn't. I think a lot of everybody does. Yeah, I do but, that. Yeah. Sometimes you know, to be complete, sometimes it's just stalling. Like I'm trying to think of what's going to happen. Why right. don't you roll? Thinking, thinking, that's thinking. Yeah. Everyone make a perception roll. Yeah. That's what, that ninety percent of the time. Which that's is fine. not the best. That is not perfect GMing. <laughs> no. You know what I? It do is for, human GMing. For a perception roll, I have them roll and I just see how much they succeed by. Because right. like, yeah. I know you're going to notice if you rolled a natural twenty, I'm going to describe everything in the area for you. If you only got yeah. That way, I get it gives you degrees of what it is you yeah. notice. Yeah, but that's that's again, I, that's a squishy thing that I that I do. I, I had a DM one time where it didn't have uh, difficulties for perception checks. It was just now I also know like he must have done this ridiculous prep, but like he would say, okay, at a five you see the door, <laughs> you know, yeah. like at a ten. So it was like everybody roll, and whoever got this, like this is the information you got, and he had all these stages mm-hmm. of like. You always, you got something, yeah. Right, you're right. not going to not see anything. Right. You're, yeah. you're standing in front of a door. Right, right. right. <laughs> There's a door. Uh, it's red, and that happens in real life too. People like say, just you know, like your kid who has perfect eyes. Yeah. Say, hey, did you see that that cat? And you're like, is that a cat? And then, <laughs> what are you I didn't know. I didn't see. Yeah. It. Or it's like when my kids go running out for the ice cream truck, and I haven't I haven't heard. Right. Right. <laughs> like, my my wife and I joke. We could be like stopped at a stoplight, and a clown could go by in the like one man band thing. What's that called? The like truck, yeah. like. Well, Go by in the crosswalk, and I and like afterwards I could turn and say, "Wow, what? How often do you see that?" And she'd be like, "What?" Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and she'll admit that. that like, I'm not uh, insulting her. This is her own admission yeah. of like, what one man band clown, yeah. I guess. <laughs> but what I was planning on doing for the Call of Cthulhu game is if it's a situation where. It, it makes sense for them to succeed. Even, like, let's say they've got a skill of seventy-five and they roll an eighty, right? And so they would have failed. I, I would just, what'd you roll? Are you rolled an eighty. Okay, yeah, you succeed. Mm-hmm. And then just in the back of my mind, just know, okay, I'm going to screw you somehow yeah. in this mm-hmm. in this situation. I think as long as they know that potential is there, yeah, yeah. you know, like you wouldn't want to like not tell them, yeah, <laughs> right. Verk in the chat room just said, uh, I'll never forget my players' faces when I told them their six minus succeeded in picking the lock, uh-huh. only to meet the head of security through the door. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you can succeed at that, but there still will be a complication. Yeah, a complication. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I did that one time, and it was basically the equivalent of, like, you open the door, everyone goes through, like, cool. Like, they're waiting for the other <laughs> shoe to drop, then the cl- door closes behind them and clicks. Yeah. I'm like, that- oh, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You proceed, okay, so you fiddle around with the lock, you hear a click, and you open it, and it's locked. It was unlocked to start with. Yeah. <laughs> you locked it. Damn it. <laughs> now you hear footsteps. You could do that. You could do that. Yeah. yeah. You could do that. Yeah. 
All right. Is that uh, uh, anything else? Any other? We we solved it. We fixed it. Yeah. There you go. No. We fixed role playing, everybody. <laughs> Good job. Uh, Atomic Panda 101. I love you succeed, and that's a bad thing. Yes. <laughs> right? That's a good. That's Pyrrhic victory. That's a better definition of Pyrrhic victory yes. than, than our fumbling. <laughs> you succeed, and it's a bad thing. Yeah. Thank you for consolidating our entire discussion yeah. down into a one sentence. Sorry, you succeeded. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Uh, face characters in D&D from Kurt, who would like to read this. I will do it. Or should I have not read I could read. It doesn't matter. Go ahead. I think he's going to be mad at you, so maybe you should read it? I don't know. All maybe right. I should read it, because I can pretend to be mad at you. Pretend? That's right. never happened. <laughs> <laughs> this is method acting. Face characters <laughs> in D&D from Kurt. Greetings, Jackers. Kurt from Pixel Scandal here to say that you can totally play face in D&D. Just don't expect D&D to care. That's, that's, that's a quote accurate. right there. Yeah. Yeah. That feels right. Yeah. Yep. D&D doesn't care about your feelings. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to come to this problem from like three angles. But first, a disclaimer. You can play D&D any way you like, but it doesn't change what the game wants you to do. D&D mechanically is a game about killing monsters and taking their stuff. Exactly. Because the rules focus on that core loop all uh, on that core loop, all classes will have ways to exchange, uh, engage with that part of the game. If a true face character has to have no way of hurting monsters, probably don't play D&D. Right. You hurt their feelings. Number one, there are no face characters or face classes. While most people will tell you Bard is a face class, I'll argue that rogues do it far better. In 5e D&D, there are six skills you'll care about as a face character. Deception, insight, intimidation, perception, performance, and persuasion. None of which rely on your attack stat. Rogues start with six of these skills at level one, including the two from their background. So you'll get them all. On top of that, you get expertise with two of those skills at level one, making you a damn fine talker right out of the gate. So at level one, only a single class feature, sneak attack, isn't helping you to be a face. Though I'm sure a face uh, had to fire a gun every now and then. Hey, is, he, is he talking about face from the 18? Yeah. yeah. Okay, <laughs> that's why it's I think capital that's S. where the term came from. Probably, yeah. I, I don't know, face man, because it's it's that was. It's a I think that's what was the actor's name? That was the guy from Dirk uh, Benedict. Dirk Benedict. Wouldn't that be why he was called Face, though? Yeah, yeah, because he was the face. Like, yeah, yeah but I don't know if the term existed before I, that. You could though. Google it, but I think it was. I think it was an old term for like confidence man. You could, or if you're running a confidence game, you'd be the face man. You're the yeah. one that's interacting, and the rest oh. of these people will be the the heavies. Maybe the that's what the, put it in more pop driver. culture. Yeah. All right, continuing reading. At second level, you get a. Uh, uh, cunning action, which lets you dash or disengage as a bonus action. Pretty handy when they catch you, when they catch you fraternizing with the prince, and you need to make a hasty retreat. So far, we're basically face. Once yes. again, capitalizes a name. At third level, you get to choose an archetype. You might think this is where it will fall apart, right? Here we go. Now I'm some kind of thief or assassin. You exclaim. Nope, I've got you covered here too. Follow me to the Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide where you'll find the Mastermind Archetype, which focuses explicitly on our goal of being the capitalized face. Mastermind gives you a disguise kit, lets you mimic others' speech, and even helps your buddies fight from a safe distance. So if I can jump in real quick, that reinforces his point that D&D doesn't care about your face. Right, <laughs> right yeah. We had to go to another book yes. and d- dig like some, this one little nugget out to, to, take, <laughs> to like make this work. Yeah. It's, it's a supplement. It's yeah. fluff. <laughs> They've always done that. By third level, we've reached maximum face. All without having <laughs> to put a single point in a combat stat or learn a spell. Not that face wouldn't have used magic if it had, it had existed in the A-Team universe, but that's beside the point. Number two. I can't talk my way out of fights. Talking your way out of fights has more to do with DM preference than class. While the game does tell you all the ways monsters fight, it often doesn't say how they react to flattery. So, if your third level mastermind can't talk his way past a few bandits, that's a pro- that's a problem with the DM, not the class. Hey there, handsome. <laughs> Anybody ever tell you to want to talk about sheer muscle? <laughs> That's mine. Yeah, that's good. Gene Wilder. Nice, Thank yeah. You. Thank you for that. Uh, of course, if you ever try to like talk a flesh golem out of uh, bopping you on the head, it's probably not going to work. <laughs> anyway. 
Let's assume you have a DM who is willing to play along and let you bypass their bandits with clever trickery. Make a deception check, they say. Your mastermind is pretty good at this, but skills in 5e are fairly ambiguous, meaning a lock and ride on a single d20 roll, often with no way to mitigate failure. This leads to my next point. Part number three. D&D doesn't care about your face character. D&D may have social skills, but the bulk of the rules will always be about fighting things and taking their stuff. The game isn't going to give you interesting ways to talk your way out of a fight or mitigate the failure of a deception check. There's no social armor to act as a buffer if you roll one with that disguise kit. You aren't going to lose a few social hit points if you have a bad persuasion check. The game will never care about your razor wit as much as it cares about your skill with an actual razor. <laughs> That's another great quote. That's very good. Yeah. It's not a failing of class systems. It's a failing of D&D. Yep. In closing, the class systems may suck for their lack of customization, but they aren't the reason uh, it's hard to be a face in D&D. Thanks, and until next time, drink. Kurt from Pixel Scandal. Cheers. Uh, he's he's right on so many things. I mean, but I always think of a bard as sort of a hybrid of the maybe it's something I haven't, I haven't you just played Five E for a long time. I do, but but bards <laughs> were also had a lot of thiefy powers as well for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, yeah, in the earlier it, versions, yeah. And I think well, I'd, originally I, in first edition D anD D, you couldn't be a bard out of the gate. No, it was a big that's something a big you multi-class had. Thing you had to be that. two levels of in le- certain levels of a couple other things to even take bard stuff. But wow. but in the recent iterations, it's uh, they always they had some sort of thiefy stuff going on but I still think you're, you're right what he's doing here is making a con man mm-hmm. you know you become Harold Hall you become a you come somebody who comes in charms the ladies out of their the widows out of their money and, and leaves town which is just another flavor of a rogue uh, it's exactly yeah. exactly I would argue though like he's saying it's not a failure of class it's a failing of D&D like I don't think it's a failing like I think D&D is designed that way and wants to be that way like yeah. I, I, I think I like we can call it a failing in what we ne- might want to do specifically if you want to make a face character, but something that is designed a certain way and works impeccably for what it's designed to do. I don't know if it's fair to call it a failing. Yeah, it's designed around combat, and to say it's good at that and not social stuff is like, well, they never really claim to be the the you know the social <laughs> battle game, and you know they like tried to shoehorn some <coughs> in there for folks who who want to you know have that be part of it, but. Hey, stop talking to my experience points. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's really what it boils down to as well. Yeah. I, I mean, unless everybody's on board with you being a face man or they're all flavors of a face man too, y- y- what's going to happen is he, every time you try to get up and talk to somebody and they fail and they bop you on the head, the fighters are going to have to come and rescue you. And or if they come in and, and kill something before you have a chance to talk to it, it's just going to cause strife. Right. It, it really, it's two different ways of playing a game, and I don't know if they blend well. I think you can play that if you're really clear with communication at the table. Like, we've had episodes where we've talked about playing um, a pacifist in D&D, and that's a character choice that you have to make and lean into, and you have to be very specific about your choices when you're making that character. And you have to clearly communicate to the DM and the people at the table that that's what you're going for. If you're like, hey, I'm making this face character. If I fail something, I'm going to get punched in the face, and you guys are going to need to help me. Yeah, like if that, everyone knows that going into it. Right. Yeah. My um, my sorcerer that I played in 4E was was a charismatic <laughs> sorcerer, right? Because yeah. right. again, charisma is there. That's their that's stat the, that, that they yeah, use. Yeah. And he was ostensibly a face man. He was always very charming, aha, and very egotistical, ah, you know. And he was, you know, he was always going up and wouldn't it be? F-? And he so he was always trying to talk to people, much too uh, pissed off much of the other party because you know I screwed things up more than I helped, and. And I was hogging the limelight a lot because that's again that's what a face man does is he suddenly comes in and starts talking and seizing the moment. Well, it's like we could just kill it and move on. Yeah, I think part of that was also that was four e. Well, yeah. So it was like combats were already so long. <coughs> right. Yeah. Like those, I think like sometimes those character choices are super great. Like in some systems, you can lean into those character choices. Sometimes you make those character choices, and then suddenly what was going to be a three-hour combat already becomes a six-hour combat. I mean, a lot of people. Yeah. Too. Well, and that's the thing. It's like, in the first couple <laughs> minutes and, of that combat, it's fine. And we were at a higher level, too. Right. So it has, like adds on that time, and that, that I would say, is a little bit of a failing of a system. If you want <coughs> to play a six-hour combat, then the D4E was the system for you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Video but, game, the TTRPG. Yeah, right? right. I think it was Tappy that summed it up really succinctly. So it's a great little miniature game with some uh, with, with some, some role playing. Yeah. yeah. So I would say that that was also just like feedback from our already frustration with that particular system. Um, 
but yeah, I think I think it can be done. It it takes like that communication and I don't know. I don't have we. I don't know if I've played like someone with a f- more. Fa- I, I guess we've had more face type characters. Like Bruce played like a rogue who was a face <coughs> character in in your Eldemy game. Mm-hmm. So, but he also like he he was a face character, but he also <coughs> leaned into the rogue stealing stuff thing, mm-hmm. which we yeah, weren't heavily. supposed to know. But yeah. but, but <laughs> the problem with D anD D is uh, like particularly in this because like he says, there's no way to mitigate this in combat. There yeah. are lots of ways to mitigate, yeah. but like in the Waterdeep campaign that we just ran, I a couple of times my paladin who had like you know plus three charisma like a, a little bit right wasn't trained in I think I had persuasion but not deception or whatever and half the time like the rogue and the bard who were like excellent liars and supposed to get in like flubbed a couple rolls and then I rolled an eighteen right <laughs> like just total swing of the d20 right. and suddenly the the narrative turned into my character being this like you know, talker and like wanting to get out of trouble instead of fighting, and I'm the paladin. And paladins <laughs> have honest faces, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could, but I could see a paladin. I guess I don't know. Right, I, I, but we really started on paladins. I have a whole different take on paladins than most people do. Sure, it just wasn't. It wasn't my intention. It was like, oh, this is a bad spot to get in a fight. I'll I'll try and, and roll too, and the people who were who had twice as many points as me. Rolled two and four, and I rolled an eighteen. That's a d twenty, baby. Right. <laughs> so I have a question though. So with like face characters and social, like combat type situations, like vampire has a whole bunch of mechanics and stuff for that. Mm-hmm. But still, adjudicating that is still completely dependent on the GM. That's true. So I'm not. I don't know. Like, it may have very specific things to do for rolling dice. But when it comes down to it, even PBTA. The the uh, the person running it, facilitating, still says what happens on, you know, when they get that hard move. I'm not supposed to call it a miss now, <laughs> or that partial success. It's a six minus. Yeah, six minus. Six minus. So, how is that superior then? Um, well, it's not entirely like uh, his point. Also, stands that you have to have a good DM to have social aspects in any game. Because ultimately, even on a 10-plus in PBTA, it's up to the GM to decide, okay, yeah, you convinced me. What does the NPC do with your convincing argument mm-hmm. that that can have a lot of factors in it? I mean, yeah. there are also things, like, I think a GM should be upfront about, like, uh, yeah, look, this guy is r- running at you, you know, sword at the ready, and it does like don't make a swaying argument right now. Like this is not like yeah. he's not going to listen to your reasonable explanation. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, you have to fight a swordsman right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you can. I'm thinking like in Hero, you have what they call a presence attack, mm-hmm. which is you could literally like stop and you know. Yeah. Oh, but, that you know that exists in Vampire too. An intimidation roll. Right. And sure. it's a kind. It's 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 a kind of face move that you would use that isn't necessarily flattery. Sure. But you can. Charismatically attack someone and intimidate them. You can um, affect them with your aura and your awe, which well, is yeah, maybe I mean, what I your paladin yeah, would do. If you have some sort of like supernatural ability to to but, set someone's mind, uh, but even uh, so, I mean, if you've ever run into people that are just got that charisma, that it factor, and you just can't take your eyes off them, and they're, they're not magical. I didn't know anybody got like something that. like that. Okay. <laughs> oh, stop! <laughs> I'm sitting right there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> My point is that yeah. uh, there are lots of ways that somebody can be. Charismatic, rather than just being flattery and charming, you know, you know what yeah. I mean. And it's it, maybe it's up to the GM and the players to come up with different ways that your face man has it can be effectual without actually. Yeah. Hey, handsome. I think yeah. I think this kind of dials in on why we feel more pressure when we're GMing a game because we've got these situations where. We have to participate, but also adjudicate. Mm. Um, yeah. So no matter what system you're playing in, even if it's a system that's really about the feels, like you've still got these big choices where you have to make and kind of narrate what happens. Because I don't, I can't think of a system that, like, unless you're using like a randomized table of what happens, like that that fills yeah. in that thinking did, on your feet gap. Didn't New World of Darkness kind of try to come up with a more of a social combat system? I don't remember it being in Old World. Maybe it was, and we didn't use it, but mm-hmm. I seem to remember, I think maybe it was New World. New, New World is the only 
what I've played, <laughs> and I don't remember anything like that. I can certainly see with the Fae, you would need something like that with Glamours, and you would need you that has to be baked into that yeah, system I, if you're going to be doing something. That, I mean, there's that contested roles, there's successes. But yeah. again, the success doesn't say exactly what happened. That's true. So it's the GM who, again, is, it, or with the help of the players, creating that situation. So yeah, I'd, 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 uh, yeah. I'd farm that out. It's like, you tell me what you did to make yeah. them <laughs> yeah. stop. And the other side of this, as I, <coughs> I've been at tables where somebody rolled a total success, and the GM is like, yeah, they're not convinced. Like... That's why lame. did, why did yeah. I roll? Why did I roll? Right. Yeah. yeah, and so that's that's the other side of like having needing a DM that you can trust to right. do something like this. Th- that's maybe a different conversation, right? Yeah, there. I mean, there, there's ways around. It. I mean, if the, I don't know, my philosophy on on social skills is that things like persuasion and stuff like that only go so far. Yeah, yeah. Because if you're, it, you aren't going to be able to persuade someone to do something that is, uh, unless there's some sort of. Uh, uh, love relationship or or mind control something yeah, like, yeah. no no apart ability. from supernatural oh, okay. stuff but like blackmail unless, or it's got to be some kind of leverage mm-hmm. yeah it's got to be uh, you need to let us into this secure facility yeah no we know where your children are and one of our people is over there with them right now yeah okay I'm <laughs> letting you in yes but I mean but that's totally I mean and that's kind of really I mean what a lot of that I think really comes down to is. And I think face characters are more interesting if they're like, no, we're going to have to... I think face characters should be the most ruthless of the party for that kind of situation. It's like, okay, yeah, he's just going to cut your head off. I'm going after your family. So you need to kind of help us out here. Or we're going to blackmail you and get you fired. Mm -hmm. Or we, oh, look, we already have... We we found out what you do on weekends. Mm -hmm. Or things like that that kind of twist the screws. Mm -hmm. And I really think that's kind of where... I don't know. Being so a, a rogue is perfect for you. And exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and being a con man is you're in for the long con. You're in because it's nothing. You, know, it, you can't just right get in and yeah. get out. I mean, look at look at like say something like Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, where they set up these elaborate plots to rob widows of their money, right? And and that's kind of what you need to do. You can't just say, "Hey, give me all your money. I'm charming." Oh, okay. Here you go. Right. You have to play it. It's like fishing. It's a long. You gotta. You gotta. You gotta. Takes takes a long time to land that fish. Yeah. yeah. But uh, th- but then that also puts so much weight on the players to yes. come up with these elaborate schemes. Yes. And right. it, it's a lot of back and forth with that. Where like. Whereas meanwhile, the fighter just rolls and hits. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I, I looked up face man. The only dictionary definition of face man I can find is a worker, as in a quarry or coal mine, who actually works the face, as distinguished from. One who serves in various okay. supplementary capacities, as in mucking, loading, and hauling. Oh. Did you try Urban Dictionary? Urban Dictionary. It's probably bad. It's probably yeah, you gross. Don't, don't really? Templeton Peck. <laughs> you know who okay. Templeton Peck is? No. Kirk Benedict's character oh, from okay. 18. <laughs> <laughs> Dirk. Dirk. <laughs> Dirk. Kirk. Not Kirk. Dirk. I like it. I, it could have been much worse on Urban Dictionary. Templeton Peck. Yeah, it's, I don't even want to go there. Face yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. All right, great email, Kurt. Good discussion, actually. Yeah. Thank you, Kurt. And thank you for knowing D&D that well, so now we can all sound like we know what we're talking about. Next. Right there. You know what? At Wikipedia, we get Templeton Peck. Yeah. The first thing up. Yeah. <laughs> um, you want this one? Yeah, sure. Why not? Actual play impact on TTRPGs. Tabletop RPGs. I know. From okay. Ryan. Hiya there, peeps. Actual play shows like Critical Role, etc., have brought in a lot of people to the hobby. And Happy Jack's RPG. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. How about that one? Uh, yeah. Dion, uh, <laughs> Dungeon Master, my current group included. But I'm curious if you think that these shows can give a false outlook as to what the hobby is. I'm so excited about this topic. My current Dungeon Master is great, and she cares a lot about making the game revolve around our characters. And she can be, and she can get very frustrated when we start to delve into the more goofy side of role playing. <laughs> That, you know, that never happens here. Don't know nope. what I'm talking about. Nope. Nope. Uh, I'm unfamiliar with it. I, oh, it's on the, one more page. I feel that the shows like these can train people to think that the core goal of role-playing is to tell a fantastic story. I'm not saying that that is unimportant, but personally, I think that the core goal should always be having a <coughs> fun time. This here, might here. just be for our role-playing backgrounds clashing, though. I got into the hobby uh, from me and some friends <coughs> half-assing the 3E th- D&D rules for... 
uh, from half a player's handbook that we inherited. Now, to be clear, that is the only amount of assing that's possible in 3E. <laughs> so, Especially when you only have half a player's handbook. Right, like that's, they're lucky they were not just quarter-assing, yeah. right? Right? I mean, yeah, there's whole chunks there that are missing. So I actually kind of la- laud that. So can I, can I just say, your first role-playing game, you're going to half house the rules. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> your 200th role-playing game. It's probably your half hasn't maybe, but now it's on purpose. Well, because here's, <laughs> yes. here's what happens: that you you read the thing, you've been playing, it's working fine. You maybe iron out a couple, but you still haven't gone back and reread the the books and corrected yourself. Because and then you go sit down. You didn't think you were doing anything oh, wrong. I, as I've said before, GURPS had the best advice for learning a role playing game. Do it. Keep the core book in the bathroom. There you go. <laughs> a page a trip. There you go. <laughs> That was right. Steve. That's a qu- direct quote from Steve Jackson. Wasn't that in Seinfeld uh, where they, had, they couldn't return the book because it was in the bathroom? Um, <laughs> you follow that advice to this day. Half, yes. Okay, I'll start this whole sentence again. This might just be <laughs> our role-playing backgrounds clashing, though. I got into the hobby from me and my and some friends half-assing the three E D D rules from half a player's handbook that we inherited. I've seen some Reddit threads and articles over this year and past <coughs> year, and I'm curious about your thoughts. I'll also be running. Inspectors. That's inspectors like mm-hmm. as in ghosts. Inspectories. That's a really cool name, by that the way. That is very yeah. cool. It's inspectors a fun game. At a conference uh, coming up in Austin. Is you that guys Fady? Is that a Fadish game? Well, I think it's PVTA. Yeah. It? Okay. If you guys have any advice on the game, shout out to Chupacapatacon. Thanks Woo-hoo. to Douchebags. Keep jacking it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have so many thoughts. I, it's go like, you go first. Okay, well, I, I think this comes back to having that pre-game conversation with your table. Yeah. And, and setting expectations for tone and setting and, you know, is this... Like, I had an extremely frustrating... I think I've mentioned this, it, like, running Shadowrun in college. Here I am, good at running Shadowrun now, and my players take their badass professional criminal characters to fucking Dunkin' Donuts <laughs> and sit there for an hour and a half of our four-hour game time and, like, shoot the <laughs> shit at Dunkin' Donuts, not making a plan for the job. <laughs> just like, yeah, now I'm going to get the donut with sprinkles on it. I'm like, okay, cool. They were character development. They were working right. connections. But I didn't know that's the kind of game they wanted. That's, I wanted to blow shit up. <laughs> that, that's like Pulp Fiction. Right. But it's like having a conversation about, about we're gonna no we're gonna have this big long philosophical conversation in the diner rather than right and that would be fine if everyone ahead of time had signed up for the same thing because I could tell like at least one other person at the table was like oh man is this really what we're doing right now <laughs> uh, you know so like I, I think this is all about <laughs> prepping that conversation because it can be all about having a fun time it can be about goofing and making jokes and whatever. But if not everyone is on board with that, somebody at the table is miserable. Yeah. And uh, likewise, if everyone is doing a serious time and the person who wants to make a goof gets dirty looks, um, that person's miserable. Hmm. So it, I think it's all about expectations and, and pre-discussion. Yeah. I, think, I, have an anal- oh, I, I have an analogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, actual play games are to actual tabletop role-playing games as porn is to real sex. Maybe? I, I think that's a good analogy because I was about to say there are different types of actual plays and I think yes. lumping them all together because I spend a lot of my time looking at actual plays not just ours but other people's um, you know you've got in porn you've got your high professional porn with editing and lighting and makeup and after effects and all these things and planned out scripts then you've got your amateur porn in you know your living room with like your mom's ugly lamp behind Whoa. everything, and that's the thing everyone oh, starts looking at. Oh, why does it have to be mom's lamp? That's, that's just ruined the porn. Creepy. Exactly. <laughs> and you're For at, some people, I don't want to kink. You know, you're on Pornhub, <laughs> and you're like watching it, and you suddenly are distracted by the lamp, and then you have to change videos because you can't look at anything else but <laughs> oh, the lamp. Holy anymore. shit! That's the lamp that's in <laughs> your mom's house. I can't watch yeah, that. I can't look at some people are into lamps. Yeah. What so are you gonna do? No shame there. I think like. <laughs> Because I have this feeling with porn, too. Like, porn, uh, if you're watching the wrong type of porn, can really give the wrong impression. Like, there's a a whole generation of people who are learning about sex from porn. Right. And a lot of them are watching this highly produced porn that isn't giving them an idea of what real sex is about. Like, the... And this is angle, so the camera sees everything the way it's supposed to. There's a whole generation (laughs) of women who are doing anal sex because they feel like they have to because it's been... Because people have been trained that that's what you do in porn. It's been normalized. Yeah, and which is fine if you are really in, into it and enjoying it, but there's a lot of women who don't that are doing it anyway because they think it's expected. Right. So I know it's sweet, like 
weaving feminism and porn, and that's, it'll be very yeah. confusing. Yeah. But those absolutely go together. Yeah, though. Like, they yeah. absolutely yeah. do. They have to. It's a very it's a it's a big issue actually in feminism right now. Um, but uh, th- like actual plays are the same way. So as long as you're like looking at them and realizing what they are. They're, you know, the the AP, there's a ton of APs that are coming out from Los Angeles. We know a ton of the people involved in some of the big shows, many of the small shows, all these things. Some of them are highly produced. Some of them are scripted. Some of them are not scripted. And as long as you're looking at Some of them are highly edited. Some of them are Mm. highly edited. Some of them are like us and don't edit anything, you know, and so, yeah. (laughs) Um, So as long as you're like... editing. Yeah. So as long as you're looking at it and acknowledging and seeing what it is. Yeah. So if you are watching a show to learn to be a GM and you're watching a super highly you know produced show, right. you have to realize that there are probably flubs that they're editing out. Like oh, yeah. even if it's live, there's a delay on some of these shows. That they, you know, that going out before it goes out on Twitch, things like that. Yeah. Um, Even like a big name like The Adventure Zone. Yeah. Like, but fortunately, they don't hide the fact that they no. edit and they talk about it, which I like. Yeah. But, but like, you cannot fit what they just did into a 59 minute episode oh. every other week. Exactly. Like, that's, that's unreal. Yeah. And most of these shows aren't doing it to be shady. Just like porn isn't doing it to be shady. Like, they want the best, most professional product there that's going to really click with the audience. So, like, you have to look at things with a realistic lens. If you're, if you're like, hey, I'm going to compare my GMing to this super highly produced show that's been going on for years or whatever with these professionals and lighting and, you know, four writers who are helping the DM come up with their storylines yeah. every week. Like, you are setting the bar way too high for yourself. I mean, that, re- that reminds me, what was uh, the David Nett thing? Uh, uh, Gold the series. Yeah. Because in that, that was like the first time I saw where someone like was sort of depicting a, a fictionalized ver- version yeah. of D&D. And the GM is like, bam, th- this is awesome. And, and you watch it, it's like, no one GMs like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. no, one, no one speaks that extemporaneously, that... See? <laughs> <laughs> Point in fact, yeah. <coughs> we all have moments, uh, and I, I think... This is one of the things I'm like super proud about about Happy Jacks is like we are real, and and, and that's great. There are people out there who make incredible products that I consume that aren't like super like we are the amateur porn of of APs, and I love. Well, it we're like the real. the actual genuine amateur porn rather than the porn that is actually we don't have overproduced the ugly porn that is actually yeah. This, this is Marketed a really slippery slope we need to be careful. Sure. I'm not sure I like the way this analogy is going. <laughs> but like you can watch Yeah, you can watch uh, like we you can watch our games and see actual loving real sex with sort of awkward moments sometimes, but people are both there because they're enjoying it. There's not a mom's lamp in the background. Like, well maybe there is, but you know, you're in the moment. <laughs> yeah. I fall down this rabbit hole. And I can't get out. I, try, I tried to stop. I tried. To, I know. I'll bring up. I'll bring up another point. Here we go. Um, in the past, the only way you could find out other ways to GM the same game or different styles was to go to cons or or have another person GM and such. That was outside your circle, and the only place to meet that was cons and things. APs do serve a great purpose judiciously if, in seeing how other people solve GMing problems or even different styles or or different things that you never thought of. I can't tell you how many times I've learned stuff watching from APs or, and even at cons. I'm like, what a great idea. <laughs> Sorry. I'm Are you still stuck on the porn analogy? Like, there's can't tell you how many times I've yeah. learned something from watching. It, it's it's oh. like going to your neighbor's window and peeking in. <laughs> yeah. No, no, that is illegal. That is not nope. the same. Happy Jacks does not condone that activity <laughs> at all. But I think... But I going mean, to an orgy and taking yeah. notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it used to be okay. If so you're invited, that's fine. Wait, right? You, you don't take notes. <laughs> there used to be magazines, and now there's videos. So yeah. you know, or the Karma Sutra, which is like where it used to start. <laughs> yeah. So that back in the early days, yeah. you know, <laughs> and that's all we had. Right? Yeah. It was the Karma Sutra, and now you're like, it's yeah. there's all this other sources to look at. Yeah. Um, and I can I can see how it can set up false expectations. And yeah. part of the problem I have even here is that when whenever we do a game, I am very conscious that we are being watched. Oh, yeah, so I and yeah. it's a very Schrodinger's cat kind of thing, or even Heisenberg and the mm-hmm. principle kind of thing. Is that I know that I'm being watched, and it does affect the way I play, and even some of the choices I make. I don't yeah. want it to, but it does. Yeah. So even if it is the best should. of intents, yeah. Can't aren't necessarily a great representation of what actually happens right. at the table. I mean, it, it, and it should, it, and, and let's let's be com- completely frank. It, it 
need if you're going to put something out for public consumption, you want to have a certain level of quality in what you're doing, right? Yeah. So there's there's things that are you're not going to put you're not going to do that you might normally do in a game. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. there's even character choices sometimes. Oh sure. Oh yeah, like you're you're a little more focused on maybe being entertaining. One thing I noticed recently, I was at like a home game. And I realized two people were having like a side conversation separate from what the GM and, and someone like, else was talking like, about. And I, yeah, and I was like, "Oh wait, it's fine because we're in someone's house." Right, yeah. right. Yeah, like, mom's lamp is over there. But after two years of doing APs, I'm like, "Oh, hey, let's not." You know, like I, I realize that's a unique thing to doing a live performance yeah. that you can't you know you can't have multiple people in the mic at the same time. Mm-hmm. Just that alone, when you're at a home game, you don't have everyone sitting there paying attention quietly, respectfully, no. No. following along to everything that's happening. Yeah. And you just won't get that. So that aspect alone won't yeah. be at your home table. And, 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 and that and that's sort of an advantage of not not filming and micing your games is right. that you can have that situation where the two rogues are like, oh, you guys are having yeah. a conversation with an NPC? Okay, let's, let's go over here and yeah. talk yeah. about how we're going to steal everyone's shit. Go to the bathroom whenever you want. Or people right. on their phones while yeah. other people are having a moment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, but I'm, I'm talking about actually character... To, yeah, yeah. yeah. In character, between character conversations can happen in multiple instances at the same time and you don't need to worry about it. Yeah. yeah. I think... I think like APs have expanded the hobby. Like, I mean, like D&D's growth like cannot be... Uh, separated from the popularities of APs, and you know, it, yeah, like it's I, I think, yeah, 100%. Well, and, and 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 Wizards of the Coast has embraced this yeah. and has for a while now. Yeah. yeah, and more and more publishing companies are like we get um, like we don't generally do sponsorships. If we do sponsorships, we're very clear about it. But like generally, like like systems, if we were like, hey, we're doing this AP, like. The systems they tweet, they retweet us. They are like, "Hey, check this out!" Like giving us more boost oh, for it. Yeah, like the developers over at Demigods have been super generous. I know. <laughs> they're just the best, man. And Decima, they're the best. No. Amazing. Yeah, but um, so I think I think it's a great thing for the hobby. I think it's opened up a lot of doors, like um, especially marginalized groups. Like there are so many more women specifically that I've heard from coming into the hobby because they've seen. Other women, specifically on our channel, I hear I get like DMs and stuff from women all the time saying, "Hey, I decided to try this out because I saw your table." Then there's like half women or all or a big chunk of women there. So I'm suddenly they're seeing like th- themselves represented. Right. Same thing for people of color, they, people LGBTQIA plus, like all these marginalized communities um, are also starting to actually see representations of themselves, like playing these games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's also something that's that's starting to make the hobby grow more than just even just the publicity, but the actual looking at a screen or hearing an AP and knowing, oh, that person, I, that's a person that's had a similar life experience to me. Maybe I can do this. Right. I think is huge. Or we would be welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Which, I mean, and, you know, and, and, and the, the Stone Age that Stork and I talk about where <laughs> there were probably five women at a, an entire game convention. Right. Yeah, those days are long gone, right. thankfully. Yeah, when you had to go up to a board and pull someone's number and go to their house to play. Sure. That's terrifying in so many ways to so many different groups of people. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, there's one other thing that APs help with, which I, I, I completely laud, whether they're well-produced or not, and that's to teach you a game. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're Absolutely. if you are fate curious, if you're a, a power by the apocalypse curious, and, and you don't want to invest, or you're not sure if you want to invest, or you bought the rules and they just don't make sense, <laughs> or you're a visual wa- learner like me, watch APs <laughs> and everything gets spelled out for you. And I, I found that to be the most useful tool for me with an mm-hmm. AP. It's like yeah. it's like I, I, okay, so I, I played a power by the apocalypse. I've read the rule book. I'm not grokking it. You watch an AP or two, and you're like, oh, that's how that rule applies. Oh, that's oh, yeah. how that works. Yeah. Got it. It's yeah. also nice that you can absorb eight hours of information yes. without any personal. Stress right. of like, oh, I'm going to screw this up. I'm going to make a mistake. Like, yeah, don't worry. Just just absorb other people making mistakes, and it's great. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, in the old days, if we read read the rules for a game, we couldn't figure out how to play it. You'd have to find someone who was playing it and or hope you could get invited to their game. Play it wrong for, for yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. So, I I think um, 
like looking at our numbers for our shows like I know not everyone loves listening to the zero zero episodes where we do character creation for all the APs and I know like some of our like long term those fans, numbers are almost always high though well yeah no, like some some are long like people who are more interested in the story are, like are people who listen to a lot of our campaigns sometimes skip that episode but those are always 100% the episodes that have the most views and downloads because yeah. people are looking at how to make characters for yeah. the games they're running even <coughs> if they aren't necessarily actual play people who are interested in like enjoying the campaign, they get the educational value out of those specific episodes. Oh yeah, it's like the tra- Traveler Character Gen session. It's huge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's Some of them have te- tens of thousands of downloads because people just want to figure out how to do characters. Right. And in those cases, uh, whether the AP is slickly produced or not, <coughs> it does teach you... How, maybe if it's too slick, I don't know, Critical Role, maybe early on, like when early on in a session you, you can learn how to play a game and such, but after that it gets so caught up in the storytelling, you forget. It's like they haven't used a rule in two episodes. They haven't... So yeah. I think uh, I think in many ways APs are really useful in that. Yeah, I, I kind of got derailed about whatever. I actually had another point that no. fell out of my head no. in the speech. Don't so. you, well, that was a really yes. good point. Don't you hate being old? Yes. yes. Fuck it. Yes, man. I do. Fuck age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, yeah. Are they impacting the hobby? Absolutely. There's positive and negative with that. I don't know if it's better that people are coming in, like who who are coming into the hobby because of it or not. Like, oh, it's better. I think it's better. Yeah. The fact no, no, that you no, have more people and, and, yeah. and, and, and a more diverse yeah, more pool people of people diverse. coming in is fantastic. But I can't tell whether, like, if you are, is someone who came into the hobby before it better off than someone who's coming into it recently. I wouldn't say that they have different experiences. And any, I think any preconceived notions you have by watching this sort of idealized like high-end porn yeah. coming into the role-playing game <laughs> yes. is going to be quickly disabused once you sit down at a table with actual people yeah. well, okay. actual amateurs and play the but, game but that's the thing that's missing is the conversation that this this uh, yeah. what's, what's his name um, Ryan's Ryan. GM th- th- that's a conversation they need to have absolutely it's not like why aren't you being serious it's Oh, you don't want to be serious, yeah. right? Like, or or to the gym, like, oh, you were wanting to focus more. So, okay, so maybe we can minimize our goofs a little bit, and you know, sorry, I think I cut you off. No, you didn't. You actually uh, that, that, and that's a good point. I just remember what I was going to say now, but which was ostensibly that uh, I've been. It's kind of a tick in the conversation. Maybe we talk about it later. But I've been astonished at how popular role playing games have gotten, mm-hmm. and it's not just because of APs. Uh, D&D is selling gangbusters and it's not because uh, Wizards of the West Coast is doing a great job marketing. I don't think they've done anything better or worse than they have in the past. I I can trace it back maybe 15 to 20 years with the drop of Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings was an unbelievably popular movie set and it wasn't just nerds going to it. Oh no, it couldn't have been. It It wouldn't have made us that much money. Exactly. So somewhere along the line... Nerd culture became culture. Yes. And people became much more curious in it than they have been in the past and it's been a snowball from there. Mm -hmm. And I think APs are a reflection of that. And so people buy this thing they heard about D&D. It's like, oh yeah, I used to throw kids in the locker because of (laughs) D&D. This seems interesting. And now because of modern technology, APs are all part of the tool set that people have to Mm -hmm. learn and play games. Look at our band. Look what happened. Look look how outside the sports people in our band feel when... All of the rest of us start talking about some role playing game thing right. or some nerd yeah. culture thing, and they're like, "Oh, they're talking about oh that again." Yeah. <laughs> or like, look at um, HBO, Game of Thrones. Yeah. They're, they're trying yeah. to figure out like, are we going to lose a bunch of subscribers next week? Like mm-hmm. in two weeks. Oh, like, I'm sure they're going to do right? spinoffs. But, but, but there, you have the perfect example of like D and D meeting porn. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, yeah. and it's, and but again, the, that's another reflection. It's like <laughs> especially the early episodes. Yeah, because HBO always always has a lot of flesh. When I was a fifteen episodes. or sixteen year old old kid back in the day. A, a show like that never would have existed, and yeah. if it did, it would have been cheap as hell. It would have had yeah. Sword and the Sorcerer with a triangle uh, play. Yeah. You know, we had like Lady Hawk, which is perfect. How dare you? Or Crawl, prettiest horse, the prettiest horses in any movie ever. Lady Hawk. The best. But, beautiful Frisian, beautiful... Sorry, I'm done. But there never would have been a series that was that popular. Right. I mean, Game of Thrones is embraced b- across all spectrums. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves it, whether you're yeah. um, whether you're a, a computer scientist or whether you are a, um, you know, I don't know, 
time. Right. Pick a random oh, and podcast. everyone's talking about Game of Thrones. Yeah. We tell it. We tell a yeah. Game of Thrones joke on stage. The wives are going to have a Game of Thrones but, themed shirt mm-hmm. this weekend. The whole audience gets it. Yeah. yeah. Twenty and thirty it, years ago, you would have been pushed in a locker for that. Or <laughs> right. Exactly. Even up at Renfair. Yeah. 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 Even at Renfair. Yeah. Because I mean, the people that work Renfair are those nerds. Right. But the people who go to it aren't. And now everybody. And is. now they are. That's yeah. and that's an interesting thing that's happening. And I think role playing games are benefiting because of that. Absolutely. Although. Go ahead. No, you do your thing first. Well, this is a slight tangent. Okay, well, I was going to go back to Jason's point for just one second. You were talking about how important those conversations are. I think that is one thing that is missing from a lot of APs, are those conversations about tone and safety tools and things like that. And I think, like, a lot of us at Happy (coughs) Jackson are... We make sure that's the zero zero. A lot of times we have those conversations like this is going to be a dark game or this is going to be a lighthearted game or this game's going to get weird. Uh-huh. And I think a lot of uh, a lot of shows are missing that. So I think a lot of people who are watching APs as an educational tool are not getting that added to their their GM right. tool bag. So I think that's something that people need to keep in mind too. And hopefully they're um, out there finding those resources or seeing some APs that do kind of. Do those important, not so entertaining, but vital steps in running a good RPG. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can't help it. I, I have some horror stories about people yeah. in games sabotaging games because they didn't want to be there, yeah. or yeah. they they just want to wrench throw and, and yeah. just f with they everybody. Had a, they had a bad day, and, yeah. Was, yeah, and they or they just want to be douches because mm-hmm. they just you know, want to be the center of attention. The and that's there's not much you can do about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cameras hopefully help prevent that a little bit at least. Yeah, Sorry, does. what was it? We are douchebags. Um, <laughs> Uh, oh, th- this is a, a huge tangent. I, I re-listened to Ready Player One, mm-hmm. the Will Wheaton reading, mm-hmm. and I was stunned by how well written that is. Hmm. Yeah. As far, especially each each of the when when, when they they get, when they're going through and trying to solve each of the puzzles, the anticipation he builds as it comes up, and, like, and it just every one of them is just freaking fantastic. And then I watched the movie again, and it just pissed me off. <laughs> yeah, because it's like first first challenge uh, just fell out of my head. I don't know. I haven't read the books or seen the movie. The so race. I don't want to spoil. No, it no, oh, no. Oh, in, oh, the, in, in the in the in the in the book. Yeah, yeah. Uh, come on. The D and D module, adventure. the impossible D and D module. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. The, the t- well, I'll think of it once the cameras are off. With Acerarak, Tomb of Horrors, or the Tomb of Horrors, Tomb of Horrors, Tomb of Horrors, and then the, in, for the second key, That's horrors. By the way, based uh, on our previous conversation, right. yes. uh, not horrors. Tomb of Horrors is a different game. But Speaking of is yelling at us, and then and then the second the second key is a is is a, a real life walkthrough of Zork, and it's mm-hmm. all of this really uh, cool nerd culture stuff yeah. that existed in the 1980s that I remember in my, from my childhood, and then I watch Steven Spielberg, and it's like, no, I made this for the U- USC film school crowd. Yeah. It's all movie references. The whole freaking thing. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Here there's a little D&D thing. There's a picture on the side of oh, a van video for all of you by. nerds. Oh, <laughs> well, and it's visually more exciting to bring the Iron Giant in than it is to try to figure yeah. out what a Gru looks like. Although I guess you could use Gru from from uh, the, the movies, right? <laughs> With his minions. Uh, Isn't that in Zork? You are about to be eaten by yeah, Gru. Yeah, you, yeah, you don't go in the dark. Gru, you, you you'll eaten, yeah, Gru. Gru, the, Gru, the Gru with the minions, isn't that? Isn't he Gru? Isn't isn't that the, the name it, of the? No, wasn't, of the, wasn't it Gru the Wanderer? Was and it? there was Gru the Wanderer, G R O. But but Gru, wasn't Gru with the with the minions and, uh, and d- not Despicable? Yeah, Despicable Me. Yeah. Oh, isn't I he named Gru? G R U. I don't remember. Only me. I'm the You've only one with kids. Well, Sue does, but he doesn't watch it. I don't watch that shit. My daughter is big into anime. Yeah, I know. Huge in anime. Yep, oh my god, I shocked a kid. He went running down the hall today with like the anime run with like his arms out back behind him. And I was like, insert student thing here, this is not an anime. We do not run in the yeah. halls. And he stares at me, he's like, You know anime? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am the cool Now, my daughter suggested I watch something called Sword Art Online. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty good. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, season one was good. Season two, it kind of mm-hmm. petered out for me. I have a lot of stuff. But have you now. seen Cowboy Bebop? 
No. no. Okay, that's vital. start there. Yeah. So, because oh, really? okay. yeah, that's a space western that I think you would genuinely enjoy. Sure. It, oh, okay. It's, it's one it's of like, the first animes, though, yeah. too. I mean, it's almost so old that it doesn't even look like modern animes. Yeah, but anymore. you can get the, the whole thing animes, on Hulu yeah. now. Like, it's... Right. It's I've one of the first okay. animes that made it into the U.S. and, like, really, like... People well, I remember the old, when it was called Japanimation. Sure. Which is the 1970s. Speed Racer, Kimbo the White Lion, things like that. And then... That was the, the, the my favorite moment when reading that book, Ready Player One, when they start talking about Johnny Rocket and his giant robot, because I remember that show, and I watched every freaking episode of that show on channel fucking 22 or whatever it was. <laughs> With the A-Team? No, the A-Team was later. Yeah. This is in the 70s. And that, it's, was my cha- that was my bringing it back around so we can Okay, all right. Face characters. <laughs> Face characters, thank you. We did it. We did it! Seamless. Kirk Benedict, Dirk Benedict, Dirk Benedict Cumberpatch. What is it? Benedict. 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 This is the ugly lamp in the background. Right here. <laughs> this is what it is. Like, we have it sometimes. I'm sorry. Some, somewhere there's a great picture. Stay of, focused on the good. Somewhere there's a great picture of Dirk Benedict and Katie Sackhoff sitting in a Starbucks, <laughs> and it says Starbucks and Starbucks having a Starbucks at Starbucks. Yes, I love that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Now you can do it. Now we can. She was a better Starbucks. Yeah. I, totally. 100. percent much better series. Oh yeah, hundred percent. That show was great. Uh, did have you seen the Game of Thrones <laughs> intro? That uh, as if if it had come out in the eighties. No. They no. took the Game of Thrones music and they put like oh, this sort yeah, of synth drums behind it. Yeah. And they found shots of every every character smiling and laughing, including Cersei. Oh, putting their name under it. Yes, like, putting ah, the name ah, so and so is and featuring Hodor <laughs> or, or what's his name as yeah. Hodor. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great. I'll see you find cooks that. And, uh, it's hysterical. <laughs> All right. Thank you for joining us for season 24, episode 9 of Happy Jack's Robert G Podcast. My name is Stu. My name is Kimmy. Stark. I'm Jason. And uh, by the way, if you want to come out to the Renaissance Pleasure Fair, we've got two more weekends. Two weeks. Two weekends. I thought it was three. Two. It's only two. <laughs> so come out and see us. Uh, and that's it. Thank you very much. We'll leave you with a song. Yep. And we're running games and streaming from GameX on Memorial Day weekend. So Memorial Day weekend. Be aware for that if you're going. Yep. You can still, maybe still show up our games. I don't know if there's spaces left. Or watch live from wherever you are. Yes. Excellent. Drink with us. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Hero can find the fatal savage world. Hero must be usurping. Though we could do with less burping. Happy Jack's podcast will be.
preceding program has been a presentation of the Angry Folk Media Empire. Why problem make when you no know problem have you don't want to make?